Hi, I'm Perry, and you're listening to The Beauty Brains. Welcome to The Beauty Brains, a show where real cosmetic chemists answer your beauty product questions and give you an insider's look at the cosmetic industry. This is episode 348. I'm your host, Perry Romanowski, and with me today in the middle of the country, Valerie George. Hello, Valerie. Howdy, Perry. Howdy. You've already adopted to the uh, the new lexicon at the state you're in now? Oh, we'll talk about it in a minute. <laughs> well, before we get to that, on today's show, we're going to cover a bunch of questions, including what is the difference between quick dry and long lasting nail polish? How are acid treatments for hair different than regular conditioners? Is it damaging to wet your curly hair? Should you use antioxidant serums at night? And what's the difference between pure and impure retinol? But first, Valerie, is the move done? The move is sort of done. So everyone, I am officially a Texan right now. I got to Texas 48 hours ago where I am not appreciative of central time, the worst time zone, and humidity. It's like I'm breathing water here. Wait, I thought Texas was like a desert. Not the part I'm in, which is Dallas. So if you guys aren't aware or don't recall, Mr. Cosmetic Chemist moved to Texas three months ago while I... Tried to find a commercial space to move my laboratory for my uh, existing and new business venture, which I can't talk about yet. Oh. And I finally found a space, and I was finally able to move in once I got all the permitting and that kind of stuff done. And we had a professional moving company pack up a big truck with my current laboratory, and I drove out to Dallas. So now you just have your lab in a, in a truck, huh? A lab in a truck, right. So it's good because uh, if you guys have heard previous episodes, I've basically had the worst month of my life, and now I have to take a little bit of time off, unfortunately. You know, I was just thinking of that. Like, instead of a food truck, you could do a lab truck. I think they have those, uh, but they make meth, and they might be out in the high desert, at least in (laughs) California they are. Well, I was kind of thinking it would be like a a cosmetic... uh, (laughs) A cosmetic truck, you know? (laughs) Lab on wheels. Exactly. Uh, Perry, I covered in for you on a webinar this week because you were in my hometown of Akron. I was in Akron, yeah. I was doing a talk for the Lake Erie Society of Cosmetic Chemists uh, about AI and how it's going to take over all the uh, cosmetic chemist jobs. Ugh, this again. Unless we let it. (laughs) No, actually, I don't think AI is going to completely replace cosmetic chemists quite yet. We still need people to mix things together, and and robots are not that good yet. But you know what I did in Akron? I did, uh, well, I, I stopped at a little ice cream shop there, and then I found a speakeasy. Okay. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> so that was kind of, it was kind of cool. So Well, that's cool. That. What ice cream shop was it? It was a place called Handel's Homemade Handles. Ice Cream. Yeah. Yep, yep. I know the place pretty good. You know what I, you know what kind of got? What? Because it's, it's, you know, fall time, so I got, and I love pumpkin stuff, so I got the pumpkin cheesecake crunch. Ugh. Oh, it was, it was delightful. I'm anti-pumpkin. Oh, well, that's okay. Well, you know, it's nothing philosophical or cultural. I actually just can't have cinnamon or clove. So for me, oh, everything right. pumpkin-related is out. Yeah. Right, right. Did you know that I grew a pumpkin? 
accidentally though, right? I, I, yeah, the accidental grown pumpkin, yes. <laughs> but it was huge. It's like the craziest accidental pumpkin. It was. I just took the pumpkin from last year, threw it in my garden, and I got all these pumpkins, and I actually grew one, so I was very excited about it. And it's still on my front porch. How so much did it, hasn't it weigh? Rotted yet. Uh, it probably weighed about 30 pounds. So. I think that's pretty good for a pumpkin. Yeah, yeah. Especially, An accidental yeah. pumpkin. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do have some big news. In the 48 hours that I've been here, I did go by my lab because I had to have someone uh, come by who's going to help me church up the space. And when I was there, we saw a lot of cats. Whoa. Wait, wait a second. There was, you know, you used a phrase there, which is a little confusing to me because it could be read two ways. You said you went, you went by your lab. Yep. Or, yeah. I, so I thought you, you went and bought a lab or you went to the labs. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I went to the lab. That's probably gotcha, gotcha. more appropriate. <laughs> And there were a and bunch of cats. cats in the parking lot, but probably one was a little older looking, yeah. uh, very beautiful, hard to believe it was a stray. And then a couple younger looking cats. And one of them was very curious. He oh. uh, is a gray striped cat and he was interested in what I was doing. He didn't care about Mr. Cosmetic Chemist, which is good because he's allergic, but <laughs> he was following me in the space. He wanted to get in the car with me. He was just prancing around my feet, wow. not afraid at all. And well, that's fun. I named him Stash. Stash, like Stash because he has a mustache? Uh, short for bloody mustache because his oh. mustache was bloodstained. Yep. Oh, <laughs> Did he just finish eating a pigeon or he something? He must have had a fresh meal. Yeah. So anyway, Stash, so cute. We bought him cat food, and I hope he comes back around. Well, that's nice. Well, I took Mama Blue to get fixed today. Okay. And so I might, I guess I'm going to let her back outside, or I don't know. Well, <laughs> I need your help capturing Stash, because he is obviously not neutered. Oh, well, yeah. You got to, you'll need a little, a little, little trap uh eh, i can't just like put drugs in wet cat food uh it's not recommended because you're gonna have to take him to the vet in like a carrier Uh uh-huh so yeah yeah Uh you just wait till he's drugged conked out slide him into the carrier benadryl one milligram per pound of cat well you might try that let me know how that (laughs) goes i'll have to wear a ski suit so he doesn't scratch me Right. Well, speaking of goes, I guess we should get on with the show. We do have some listener feedback. Hi, Beauty Brains. I'm Say, a longtime avid listener of the Beauty Brains since 2016. I have a small suggestion. The music in your podcast is almost always too loud, especially compared to the lovely soft voices of Perry and Valerie. When I have the volume set to hear you guys talk, I always jump slightly when the intro, outro, beauty news music comes in. I wonder whether it's possible to turn the music down a couple notches. You know, I am the person who edits the show, and which is might not be the best idea because you know I have hearing problems. <laughs> Harry <laughs> is partially deaf in one ear. Yep. Yeah. Right. Right. I, I would say my one ear is fine. My left ear, I like can only hear like thirty percent. So I can still hear, but uh, so maybe it is too loud. I don't know. <laughs> I think it is loud. I never okay. wanted to say anything because I thought maybe it was just me. But, you know, I'm the kind of person to listen to my volume on very low. Yeah. And I think it could probably like go a pinch lower. Not our voices. 
Right, um, right. That may be a pinch higher, but the music may be a pinch lower. All right. I will kick the sound down a little bit more. Well, well unless the audience is like, hey, don't we love the sound? <laughs> All right. But I, well, I, I doubt what we're going we'll to have to do is get <laughs> feedback again, because if we don't hear anything about it, we'll never know. Well, I think we'll just switch it, and then if people complain that it's too soft, then we'll switch back. <laughs> there they, you go. They'll complain the rock music is, is too soft. I don't think so. Speaking of loud music, let's get to that news music. You know, that is kind of loud. <laughs> now that I think about it. All right, loud. Well, loud is our story. I saw a story coming out of Reuters, um, you know, how we like to cover the legal news in the beauty industry. And according yep. to uh, a recent ruling, uh, it says, hair relaxer claims against L'Oreal Revlon can proceed. A U.S. judge said that. Um, a judge in my fair state of Illinois uh, has denied uh, L'Oreal and Revlon had uh, asked for the case to be thrown out of court due to lack of evidence, but this uh, judge denied those arguments and said that the complaint could go ahead. So the litigation includes 8,000 lawsuits. So it's a class action lawsuit, uh, and they said that uh, there is some supporting evidence that uh, companies uh, use negligence and defective design of products, and they didn't warn their customers about their risk and the risk is that products are meant to permanently straighten and texture hair and marketed to women of color have ingredients in there that might cause uterine cancer. Uh-uh. Yep. These lawsuits actually stem from a publication in the Journal of the National Cancer Institute in 2022 that purports that the use of straighteners and other hair products uh, may um, cause uterine cancer. And they actually went into this study with the mission to determine whether or not there is a relationship with uterine cancer. So they almost had this result like, okay, we get have uterine cancer, what could be causing it? And they actually went in and said, is it hair dyes? Is it straighteners? Is it relaxers? Is it pressing products? Um, and they basically quizzed a bunch of people and said, do you use these products? Do you have uterine cancer? And right. then said, you know what? We might be onto something here. And yeah, it's a total correlation study. There's no causation demonstrated. There's no reason to think that uh, there's some chemical reaction that you can explain with hair, and then it somehow turns into uterine cancer. I, exactly. Um, and so this study gets published. Of course, uh, a flurry of lawsuits ensue because of this uh, publication, which, by the way, um, you know, I don't know how much merit is to the work because, again, they're just inferring there's more work to be done, right? But the reality right. is straightening products have been used for a very long time, and most of the straightening products are made by companies that have a robust team of toxicologists, and they're just not going to be putting products out there that cause cancer. It's just not good business. There's nothing more important than safety, Furthermore, uh, the study did have a lot of flaws. One of the lead toxicologists in our industry said the study didn't account for a number of other differences that may be associated with increased uterine cancer, such as um, early onset of your menstrual period, higher uh, BMI, um, 
lower physical activity. And these things uh, were just largely ignored, uh, which are common uh, factors in uterine cancer. So, Well, you know, the problem with those things are, though... there's nobody to sue. <laughs> like, who, who do you sue? You, there's no BMI company, right? So you can't sue somebody if uh, your BMI is too high or something. I suppose Ex- you could exactly. maybe sue fast food companies. <laughs> but yeah. Just step away. Yeah, it's really hard to say what causes cancer. And so I think, you know, we'll see a bit more of a J&J type thing going on where, yeah. uh, you know, the lawsuits will just keep coming because you want us, everyone no matter what happens in your life, you want some kind of smoking gun. You want to understand the why. And the reality is cancer is not that straightforward. So. Yeah, I would be, I would be surprised uh, if this was a real link. Uh, The folks at L'Oreal, they said they're confident in the safety of our products and believe the recent lawsuits filed against us have no legal merit. Revlon said they do not believe that the science supports a link between chemical straighteners or relaxers and cancer. Um, but of course, the uh, the lawyer who was Jennifer Hoekstra, who was one of the lead attorneys for the consumers, said Monday the ruling backs their argument that the products and the company's instructions for using them caused cancer. <laughs> no, it didn't. Yeah, didn't the judge just say though you didn't warn people of cancer? So where would they be? Would this lawsuit be happening or be allowed if the company said, hey, this might give you cancer? That's a California strategy, Prop 65, right? Right. And they in California, they just say everything might cause cancer. And <laughs> Yeah. And as a consumer, you don't pay attention. Right. right. That's exactly. Well, we'll keep a, keep an eye on what happens with this lawsuit. Uh, but uh, I, I, I tend to agree with you that it's probably going to be like the Johnson Johnson talc one. All right, are we ready for some questions? Yes, our first question comes to us from Kelly. Hi, I have some questions about nail polish that I hope you can answer. Is there a difference in composition between quick, dry, and long-lasting nail polish, or is this just marketing? Is it possible for a nail polish to be quick, dry, and long-lasting at the same time? Thanks. Well, it's an interesting question, and too bad we don't have Doug Shoon here to uh, help us out. But <laughs> Oh, I love Doug Shoon. Yeah, the nail guy in our industry. Although I will say this isn't this isn't a particularly difficult question, right? It is all about the formula. The difference between quick dry and long lasting nail polishes is basically their formulas and the benefits that they're going to provide. But to get to the last question first, is it possible for a nail polish to be quick dry and long lasting? Uh, not really. I think so, Perry. You do. Okay. I do. Check out this manicure right here. Whoa. I am a Dazzle Dry girl. If you guys haven't heard of Dazzle Dry, look it up. I'm not affiliated with the brand, but okay. I always get their manicures either at Bella Cures, uh, which is a salon chain. You can get them there, or you can get it at Mini Lux under the performance polish name, but it's all Dazzle Dry. And your nails do dry in five minutes, and they don't chip Okay. for, at, they guarantee seven days of no chipping. And I work in a lab, I have dogs, I use my hands, and my nails, by the way, are usually very long. So huh. to not chip for seven days, and it lasts three weeks, just like a gel polish. Hmm. This is my experience, okay? So sure. I've never really looked at the formulas, because again, I'm in a nail salon, I'm just getting it done, I'm always impressed. Um, Some of the colors don't do as well as others, meaning I think some gas is created in the reaction. 
uh, with the different coats because uh, sometimes I get little air bubbles in it. Um, yeah. But really, the secret to dazzle dry, maybe not even in the polish, Perry. You may actually be onto something. You have to prep the nails. Doug Shoon once told me nail prep is hands down, no pun intended, the most important thing you can do to Uh. prepare your nails for polishing because you can get even the cheapest polish to last better with the right nail prep. And the Dazzle Dry uh, program does require a lot of pre-steps before your polish coat. Yeah, according to this, they have a four-step process, the Dazzle Dry four-step process. Uh, so, And the first one is nail prep, which, by the way, is several steps. So you could get the speed and the long-lasting, but not from simple nail polish. It's, it's more of a procedure. It's a procedure. The drying time of long-lasting nail polishes compared to the quick-dry varieties is mostly influenced by the formula differences. Um, and here's some reasons. So first, there's the solvent evaporation. The quick dry polishes typically contain a higher proportion of the fast drying solvents like the ethyl acetate or the isopropyl alcohol. So these solvents will evaporate more quickly from the nail surface after application, and that accelerates the drying process. Whereas the long-lasting polishes, they use solvents that evaporate just more slowly. And that slower evaporation can actually be beneficial for the durability and adhesion of the polish, but it just takes longer. Another difference is the film formers. The quick dry polishes will often use a balance of film formers and plasticizers that are optimized for quick drying rather than prolonged wear, whereas the long lasting ones, they typically have more robust film formers and plasticizers, and that's going to create a stronger, more flexible film, but that makes it take uh, longer in the drying time. One other difference is that the uh, viscosity of these, the longer lasting polishes are typically thicker and so that helps to create a more durable layer whereas the quick dry polishes tend to be a little more fluid and that makes a thinner coating and so that makes it take, it dries faster but it's not as durable. Of course the pigments play a role depending on the size, you know, do they have sparkles in them, I think that makes a difference as well in how slow or fast it dries. But basically, if you want something to be to dry quickly, it's typically not going to last as long. And if you want it to last longer, then you want it to dry over a slower period of time. Unless you get your dazzle nails or <laughs> whatever was that one? Dazzle dry. Oh, there you go. Dazzle also known dry. as performance polish. <laughs> All right. Speaking of performance, we've got a question from Renata. Renata says, hi, Beauty Brains. I have a question about acid treatments. Uh, Here in Brazil, where I live, the curly hair community are currently promoting the benefits of acid treatments. My question is, what's with the acid treatments, Are they and are they different from regular conditioners? Thanks in advance. So acid treatments... uh, Essentially, you take uh, acid, you treat your hair, you so- soak your hair in a little acid, and that's supposed to provide benefits? Yeah. Uh, for many years, uh, DuPont has been touting their glycolic acid for hair benefits. And, you know, at first, I think people didn't believe them. And then once Olaplex came out, I think people were really believing that glycolic acid really does have 
uh, some benefits when we're talking about hair. Trevor Evans is a really great hair scientist in the hair community, and he's done a lot of research looking at different alpha hydroxy acids in hair. So for yeah. example, citric acid, glycolic acid, and the, it does improve the mechanical properties of hair. So it gives it uh, the appearance of manageability, um, strength, um, you know, your hair feels stronger, when you pull on it, it just feels sure. more conditioned, even though it's not conditioning in the conventional way. Uh, and it does that by changing the rate and the way water goes into the hair fiber. It helps uh, improve the hair feel by controlling the amount of water going into or out of the hair conversely. Is there a chemical reaction with the protein fiber and the acids? I think it's a very weak interaction. If right. anything, it's just interacting with uh, hydrogen bonds within the right. hair, um, which are numerous in the hair. It's a really valid bond. And I think this uh, interacts with the hydrogen bonds and ionic sure. bonds that are in the hair. Not the disulfide bonds like Olaplex claims to do, but right, right. for sure the other types of weak bonds within hair probably really does work, but you do need high quantities of it. Most of the research Trevor Evans has done is at 5%, which is pretty big. Yeah. And I wonder what the pH of those uh, acid treatments are. They must be down to two or three. Yeah. Well, you, well, probably for sure three or four, which is below the isoelectric point of hair anyway, but I would guess it has to be low. Otherwise the acid isn't in acid form anymore. Right, exactly. And as far as how is this different than a regular conditioner, regular conditioners use a variety of things to create a film on the uh, the surface of the hair, and these include cationic surfactants and silicones and cationic polymers. And these will, are essentially they're fatty. You know, they're like putting fats on the on the hair, a very thin film of those, and then. That'll allow the comb to slip by, uh, and so they actually is putting a coating on, whereas these acid uh, treatments are not putting a coating on the surface. Yeah, they're interacting from within the inside. Again, you need a lot of them. A great example on the market is Redken. They have a acidic bonding concentrate line where they tout to use something crazy like 9% citric acid. There is no way this line is at a super low pH, uh, at 9% right. citric acid, that's quite a bit. But, um, you know, I think it performs really well. Now, is it only using citric acid? No, it's using uh, traditional conditioning agents as well, because as Perry said, those work on the outside of the hair and you really feel them. So I think if you have an acid treatment, you still definitely need a regular conditioner on top of it or make sure there's conditioning ingredients inside it. Right, you're going to need something something on the surface for sure. Perry, what's your favorite conditioning agent? Steramidal propyl dimethylamine. Oh, I love that one. Good rinse feel in the shower. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, it really does have a unique uh, feel when you're rinsing it out, for sure. I thought you would say something economic like polyquaternium 7. You know, I've never been impressed with polyquaternium 7, quite <laughs> frankly. You know, for my money, right. if, I'm getting a, if I'm getting a cationic polymer like that, I'm going to go with a guar hydroxytropyl trimonium chloride. <laughs> yeah, or polyquaternium 11. 10. Yeah, 10, or 10, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Polymer JR, yeah. Like, you know, I, lo- I want to love, I want to love Polyquat 7. I'm just not impressed with it. <laughs> I tested it. But you are impressed by steramidopropyl dimethylamine. Yeah, although, you know, it's hard to beat 
Cocotrimonium chloride, right? <laughs> oh, that's like the worst. Let's pretend you never said that. It's from coconuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Speaking of coconuts, why don't we go on to Mia's question? Hi, Perry and Valerie. I had a question about curly hair. I heard that wetting hair is damaging to the hair cuticle, but wetting my hair is the only way for me to get my curls back into shape. I already pineapple my hair and sleep on a satin pillowcase, as it supposedly keeps the curls in place, but I still wake up with frizzy, undone curls at some part of my hair. Is it still damaging to wet curly hair often, say, daily? If so, what can I do instead to maintain my beautiful, crispy curls? Much thanks, Mia. Well, if she's got beautiful, crispy curls, uh, I'd keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> well, I think she isn't liking um, waking up with frizzy, undone curls, right? Or oh, is right, that right. when she stops wetting her hair? That's that's a good question. Maybe it's... Well, no, it, 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 she she pineapples it, which I don't know right. if you know this, that's basically like making a ponytail. So far on the top of your head, it's almost your forehead. So it's like um, a beehive then? <laughs> kind of. Oh, okay. I I also pineapple my hair. I didn't know it was called that until I looked it up, and I was like, oh, my God, that's what I do at night. Um, well, you know, I thought it was called coconutting. That's why I did the transition. I, I, I think coconutting, <laughs> what if that was a bun? You know, because a pineapple right. is where it's like a ponytail, and it's like a little pineapple sprout. Yeah. But a, yeah, a I, coconut's I, round, so maybe it's a bun. No, I, I just I made that up. Then. I coconut then. I just made that up. I, I like it, though. <laughs> <laughs> right. I just pineapples and coconuts somehow they go together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what I think is she is doing all these things, wakes up, right. it's frizzy, the only thing that puts it back together is water. Yeah. And so you know, how are you going to keep it together like that? I think it's you're just fighting against entropy here. Uh you know, it's I, I don't I don't think you can uh, short of like hairspray that can hold it <laughs> or some kind of oil-based serum right to give it Something weight like so it doesn't want to separate yeah exactly um uh it's, it's it's hard to prevent frizz with really naturally curly hair um but as far as getting it wet is that damaging the hair i don't think it's excessively damaging the hair quite frankly now getting no. your hair wet is it is damaging the hair but of the things you could do to your hair that's damaging, it's one of the least damaging. Versus things. like bleaching or thermal styling right. or, or bleaching coloring. and thermal yeah. styling. Yeah. Right. Well, I would say like how wet are we talking? Are we like full blown dunking our head? It's sopping <laughs> right. wet. You need a towel kind of wet? Right. Or are we talking just like spritzing like and spritzing, adding a right. little bit of water back into it? I think, yeah, the spritzing certainly is not going to be an issue, but... Dunking your head, yeah, maybe that could be a problem if you did that every day. Yeah, but yeah, I would guess if you just spritzed your hair and maybe even used uh, light touches of an oil on the very ends of your curls when you went to sleep um, before you pineappled, uh, I would also try that because again, the oils are going to coat the hair fiber. They're going to weigh it down and it's going to want to move and frizz out less. It's also going to help control the amount of water going into the ends of your hair. Hmm. There was and one maybe other... an acid treatment would would help. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Well, not and not an LSD treatment, but no, <laughs> you're bad. Different, different kind of acid. There was one other piece of this question that I wanted to chat with you about. She sleeps on the satin pillowcase. Oh, there, nice. 
is there any anything about that? Like, it seems like a, a, I don't know. It seems like a marketing gimmick to me. Like the satin pillowcases. Uh, like, are you well, are you really going to notice any difference here? I think you'll notice a difference in your night's sleep. Will you notice oh. a difference in your hair? I'm not sure. One of the right. best things I ever did <clears throat> 20 years ago. I, I haven't done it since because my niece drew all over it them with Sharpie markers, and it kind of ruined the experience. Whoa. I bought silk bedding. Okay. Man, this was like sleeping on a cloud in heaven. Oh, wow. It was a really game-changing experience. And sleeping on a satin pillowcase is a bit like that because you don't feel the thread count of cotton. Mm-hmm. You're just sleeping on this soft, silky garment of an angel. That's what does you're your, sleeping on. Does your head like slip around or something? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, uh, <clears throat> yeah, you get a little used to it. It's not as uh, grabby. Okay. You know, if you want to ball up your pillow and kind of leverage yourself with it, that's a little sure. bit harder. But um, it really makes a huge difference when you sleep. Now for your hair, the theory is cotton is a hygroscopic fabric sure. and it has a thread count. Sometimes, you know, you can get really cheap sheets and it's like, oh man, this is scratchy. This is really rough. Right, Um, right. I think that's where cotton can be a problem with hair. Uh, But if you're buying a really high thread count of a high quality cotton, I think it probably performs the same as a satin pillowcase or or close to it. A consumer might not notice a difference, but the thought is if you have this, you know, cheapy cotton pillowcases, your hair is going to rub against the cotton get rough, get frizzy, and, you know, hence sleeping in a satin bonnet or sleeping on a satin pillowcase makes an improvement. Hmm. I, you know what? Sleeping in the bonnet, I think, would be, uh, you know, more more effective. <laughs> it, it feels cocooning, like a, a weighted blanket, right? Wow. I, I, I might have to experiment with this. I don't, yeah, I, don't I think it's really neat. You, sh- you should do it. You should get a Dazzle Dry manicure. <laughs> See for yourself how fast drying and long lasting it okay. is and get a satin pillowcase or a satin bonnet. Well, you know, the holiday season's coming up and my wife's always asking me, like, what do you want for Christmas? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't want anything. A satin <laughs> bonnet, a satin pillowcase and a dazzle dry manicure. All right. I'm going to put that on my list. <laughs> I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. <sighs> All right. Let's move on to the next question. This one comes to us from Asthma. As Asma says, I am an avid reader of your blog. Best online resource bar none. I have a question I was wondering you may be able to help me with. I have purchased Paula's Choice Super Antioxidant Serum and was really interested to know whether there's any point in using an antioxidant serum at night. As most companies and websites say to use antioxidant packs serums in the morning and not at night. I would be interested to get your view on Mm. this confusing topic Mm-mm-mm. antioxidants mm. uh, so so people put stuff on their face before they go to bed like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Perry. It sounds like it sounds like a lot of work <laughs> i know but then like you and mr cosmetic are always cosmetic chemists are always complaining how like your skin's dry or you have under eye bags and it's like gee i wonder why if you just had a basic skincare routine you'd look so much better i will have to say Complaints like that have never been uttered by my lips. <laughs> oh. I don't, it doesn't even occur to me, like bags under your eyes. Like, does your uh, wife complain about it? She tells me, no, she does not. She's like, your skin looks good. 
She says it was a little disdain. She's like, yeah, I could see that. Well, a lot of people use serums at night, and I know they say not to use antioxidant serums at night, and you should use them at uh, the daytime. But I think you can use it at night as well. The reason people say to use it during the day, and you should use one during the day, is that your skin is generating free radicals, reactive oxygen species, reactive nitrogen species, just by From the UV light, yeah? From UV light, visible yeah. light, blue light, uh, ox, ambient oxygen in the atmosphere. Pollutants in the air, nitric oxide. Exactly. So using too. an antioxidant during the day makes sense. But I would say at nighttime using antioxidants also makes sense. I think I think you could use them all day because even while you're sleeping, your skin is still generating reactive oxygen and reactive nitrogen species, which sure. lead to premature aging. So I don't think it could hurt to use one at night as well. It's not like all the free radicals disappear just because you went to bed. <laughs> so the free, free radicals, are, they're in there. They're in your skin doing doing their work. You yeah, start one, you get, a, you get a UV, a UV shot during the at, at noon, well, that's like they're ricocheting all the way around until, you know, <laughs> until they're quenched. Yeah, there's so. post-UV exposure damage for sure. So exactly, exactly. Asthma, so. I say use it during the night. Yeah. And, you know, there's also other stuff in a serum than just beyond just antioxidants. And the moisturizing you get overnight is probably beneficial. Sure, you know, hasn't too much for my skin or or it's too i mean actually would do something for my skin it's just too much trouble i'd i would have to do something extra that'd be a lot of work now now let me ask you if you do wear a serum to bed Uh does it get on your silk pillow well no because no because you're not using like a heavy occlusive moisturizer but you have the film on your skin right this is true, but this is why they say to change your pillowcase multiple times a week. Gotcha. Oh, see, now there's more work. <laughs> oh my it's God. a lot of work to look pretty, Perry. <laughs> I just go for the non-pretty look. <laughs> Mr. Cosmetic Chemist does our laundry. Could you imagine if like seven pillowcases showed up, one for every night? But here's the thing. I use two pillows. So there'd be 14 pillowcases a week in the laundry. He would murder me. But the good news is they're rectangles. They fold up pretty easily. It's not like a t-shirt, which he like struggles to fold. Well, I will say this. You could double that by just flipping the pillow over every day. You're a genius. So we're back down to seven. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) And that might work. (laughs) This is why you're on the show. (laughs) All right. We got one final question from Lorraine. Hi. Boots number seven, advanced retinol, 1.5% complex, has 0.3% pure retinol. Is this a thing, pure versus unpure? Is this a higher quality retinol? And what is Matrixel 3000, which is in the serum too? So Boots is a UK brand. I've never seen it here in Chicago, but apparently it's made its way across the pond. I think it has. You can get it in Target. There's a Boots number seven section. Now, I don't think they have all the products, but I think they do have some of them. Uh, Or maybe the rain is in the UK. That that's right, but that does explain. As I'm walking through Target, I'm only looking to go to the cat food aisle or the food aisle or the shampoo aisle. <laughs> right, <laughs> never, I never make the uh, anti aging pile. Yeah. Uh, all uh, right, that's, so. yeah, I've never seen it. It's like, oh, gee. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, I, you you go shopping. I'm I'm not going to shopping just to look around. I'm going for some. I got to go pick something up. What I, I never you don't go, go to, to Sephora just for fun? 
Well, if I'm walking by a Sephora, I will go and look in just because I'm interested in like the ingredients and stuff. And they're just like, who's this tall guy in here? <laughs> Little do they know who you are right. and what you're scrutinizing and that you're eavesdropping on them. I, I, I kind of am. Yeah. But when I go to Target, it's like, all right, I'm here to get this specific thing. I'm not going to look around. But I'm a terrible, I'm a terrible shopper, <laughs> so so I've not seen it. You're not an ideal consumer for a brand. I, I'm not. I I think the capitalistic society would fall apart if everybody was like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <Thankfully>, it's not. <laughs> back to the retinol and the matrixel. Okay. So first of all, this pure retinol. Come on, pure retinol. This sounds like marketing stuff. It sure does. Now I can see yeah. why they do it though, because. Look at this. This is also marketing. So I guess the answer is this is marketing, but I can see why they do it. So they advertise a 1.5% retinol complex. And you're like, wow, 1.5% retinol. This cream is so crazy good. Okay. But then they have to clarify out of that only 0.3% of it is pure retinol. Still pretty good. Well, unless it's 0.3% of the 1.5%, which so that would be, be pretty low. Well, but <laughs> versus 1.3% active, right? Right. It's probably 0.3% in the whole formula, right? It's not 0.3% of that complex, which but would be pretty low. 10 bucks says that's been done before, too. Uh, all right. Well, they do that with uh, hyaluronic acid. You'll see something that's advertised as 70% hyaluronic acid. You can't make a 70% hyaluronic acid. It's not mixable. Right. It would be like a, a, over 2%. It gets like solid. <laughs> so unless it's a powder, it's not 70%. But what they do is they say, we take, uh, it's 70% of like a, I don't know, 2% solution or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can make a lot of great claims by taking a percentage of a percentage in marketing right. and flip <laughs> it around. Oh, yeah. But let's just assume this, you know, Boots is like they're a big company. So they, they do the right thing. They do have rigorous standards. Right. So they probably have 0.3% retinol in there. So the pure retinol part is that, that that's the chemical that's in the complex. And the complex is what? Some sort of encapsulation or something? Yeah, it's likely an encapsulation. I'm not particularly sure specifically, but generally retinol is not stable. So you get it in some kind of stabilized complex. And then to get the total retinol that you're looking for, you say, oh, I'm looking for 0.3% total active retinol. You figure out how much of the complex you have to put in. And I bet you that's what they did here. I have to say, it is a little confusing to consumers, though. You're like, oh, it's 1.5% retinol. It's like, no, it's not. It's 0.3% retinol. (laughs) Well, I'm actually glad they made that clarification then because I think a lot of brands don't make that distinction. But yeah. on the other hand, it creates confusion because it's like, oh, pure retinol. All this other right. stuff must be unpure retinol. They didn't say it. Right. So the pure and the unpure, it's the the, the pure retinol. They're just talking about the retinol molecule. Mm-hmm. And the pure part is that it's that's what's stuffed into the complex, uh, the the delivery system as it were but there is no such thing as like unpure retinol or pharmaceutical grade versus cosmetic grade or medical grade nothing like that right so yeah so no there is not there's not a higher quality retinol i mean everybody's gonna have their you know their their stand every raw material company that sells retinol is gonna have their standards so 
you know, they're going to have, it's going to be, you know, 99% retinol or, you know, I don't think you're getting like 50% retinol. So No, not at all. You know, it'd be more complicated to do it that way. So no, I don't believe there's a higher quality of retinol. This is just kind of their marketing story or the way they're wording it is a little bit weird. Yeah. And the Matrixel 3000 is just a protein blend that is in the formula. And the manufacturer, Sederma, which is owned by Crota, they have made famous the Matrixel portfolio. It's actually uh, Matrixel Synth 6, Matrixel 3000. Wow. Uh, There's a couple other Matrixels. Yeah. And they're basically short peptide sequences, also known as. proteins, uh, but they're basically peptides that have have the ability to penetrate into the skin and provide some sort of function. And so Matrixel 3000 uh, is purported to regulate the expression of progerin, a senescence marker known to accumulate with age. So it's basically Uh, an anti-wrinkle product. There you go, and it's doing something differently than the retinol that's also in there, so at least they're not competing, theoretically. Yeah. Now, peptides, Perry may disagree. I think they do really work because they Mm. have these uh, short amino acid sequences that your cells readily let in um, to the body. Now, whether or not a consumer will notice a difference or not, different story. Um, You know, I actually once made something with Matrixel, Perry. Yeah. Oh, did you? I did. Yeah. I was uh, working in a lab and we made hair products and a package shows up from Crota full of different Matrixels. And I'm like, oh, that's weird because they're used in skin, not hair. And so Matrixel for hair? No, there, yeah. There isn't. Yeah. It came addressed to another chemist and I suspected they were running a side hustle. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. And so this package came. So I totally played dumb like, oh, um, this came Matrixel. What's that? Oh, it's a skincare ingredient. I don't know why they sent that to me. And I'm like, uh. mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, then you won't <laughs> mind if I if I take these samples and use them then, right? Just to uh, check it out. And I could just see the, you know, gritting smile, like, no, sure. Um, but anyway, I used it at 5%. The claim level's at 3 I put 5% sure. in a cream. A little extra. And um, I will say I didn't notice anything. Now, granted, I was in my 20s. <laughs> you were blown so away? <laughs> no. I, I was like, 5%, this stuff didn't do anything. Uh, that's how I felt about panthenol once. I put I put like 5% panthenol in a hair product. I'm like, it didn't do anything. <laughs> oh, panthenol does something in hair. Oh, come on. Come on. I I will go to my grave saying it's, you know, it's you, you don't notice it. <laughs> oh, but. my gosh. I need a bunch of testers from the Beauty Brains to sign up and try a product with zero panthenol and a product with 5% panthenol. Uh, okay. I, I will make I it was, for you guys, <laughs> and I will let everyone try it. I I do realize that my position on panthenol is uh, is in the minority. Most 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 people are going to throw. <laughs> I mean, panthenol is everywhere. I just uh, have never been impressed with it. Well, uh, I was not impressed with Matrixel, but also I didn't really have any wrinkles. So sure. there's so that. But anyway... Sense. If you well, the, uh, need anti-aging, it might work for you. Well, the other thing about that, you know, the peptides is great they, if they can get in the cells, but they got to get all the way through the stratum corneum, then the stratum basalia, and get it all the way down there. Otherwise, yeah. you know, and there's no, there's no thing that's going to force it down there. So it's just mostly just going to stay sit on top of your stratum corneum, and that's not helping anything. <laughs> 
Maybe we should ask for a penetration study. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure... Uh, I'm sure they'd love to give us that. <laughs> Speaking of love to give us that, do you hear that really super loud music? Oh my gosh. No, actually I can't because I think you turned it down too low. <laughs> oh, that's right. I did. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. If you get a chance, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. That's going to help other people find the show and ensure we have a full docket of beauty questions to answer. And incidentally, speaking of questions, if you have a question and you want to hear your voice on the show, just record it on your smartphone and email it to thebeautybrains at gmail.com. Or you can just write it in an email and send it there too, and maybe we'll make your voice an AI. Also, don't forget to follow us on our various social media accounts. On Instagram, we're at thebeautybrains2018. On Twitter, we're at thebeautybrains. And we have a Facebook page, plus squatting on that TikTok. That's right. And incidentally, the Beauty Brains are on Patreon. If you like the fact that we answer questions in an unbiased way and we don't take advertising money, uh, which explains why we're not both rich. Uh, <laughs> and spending our money can, on cat food. That's right. <laughs> you can help support the show by going to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe at any level. And you get your questions answered in a higher priority. Plus, you get a transcript of the show. Thanks again for listening, everyone. And remember, be brainy about your beauty. Or should I have should I have said thanks again for listening, y'all? I'm not there yet. <laughs> That's a, not quite. Thanks, everyone. Kittens.